Stop. What? Do you have any idea what you just did? Come on, we just made the deal of our lifetimes. We should celebrate. You just bet against the American economy. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. Which means, oh. which means, if we're right, if we're right, people lose homes, people lose jobs, people lose retirement savings, people lose pensions. You know what I hate about banking? It reduces people to numbers. Here's a number. Every 1% unemployment goes up, 40,000 people die. Did you know that? No. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. We were just excited. Just don't dance. All right. Where are you going? Whoa, I just got really scared. On a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for nowhere, I met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring out the window at the darkness till boredom overtook us. And he began to speak. He said, son, I've made a life. Out of reading people's faces and knowing what the cards were by the way they held their eyes. So if you don't mind my saying, I can see you're out of aces for a taste of your whiskey. I'll give you some advice. So I handed him my bottle and he drank down my last swallow. Then he bombed a cigarette and asked me for a light. And the night got deathly quiet And his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting when the Hi everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from a movie called The Big Short. For a variety of reasons, for a variety of reasons that we're watching, we're watching what's happening in this country while we're gambling with the American economy. And people don't see it like that. People don't see the shutdowns and this taking of our lives and our lifestyles as gambling with the economy. But you know what? There's going to be people that don't come back from this. There's going to be people that are, are dying, are dying of suicide because we, we stole their life's work away because of an election. There's, there's, this is, this is so multifaceted. What's what we're seeing going on in our, in our country today. And it's sad that so many people out there don't see it. They don't see it clearly. They don't see, they don't see the whole thing. When Brad Pitt in there says, here's, a, here's some numbers. For every 1% of, the, 1% of unemployment, we, there's 40,000 deaths. Did you know that? Well, when you take from where we are to where we went, I guess that would account for uh, 400,000 deaths. How many people have died of COVID? Uh, 200,000 or 220, so they say. Although most of them are are probably not really COVID. They're probably they're probably uh, old age, cancer, heart disease, something else. But we're calling COVID. I had got into a into an argument with someone this week, and I said, "He goes, oh, you know what?" I said, "Hey, you know what? Half of everybody who they say died of COVID is over eighty five. The average lifespan in this country is seventy eight. So 
And he goes, well, if I lived to be 85, I think I would rather be alive than dead. I said, you don't get the point. The point is just because you died doesn't mean you died of COVID. They're trying to scare people. They're trying to scare people and they're doing a good job at it. And for me, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. And then uh, I use that song, The Gambler. You know, if you're going to play the Game Boy, you got to learn to play it right. You need to look at, you know, that, that song is not just about playing poker. It's about life. It's about understanding the, the risks and rewards, the consequences of our actions. Understand every little thing we do, you know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. For everything, hey, let's shut down schools. What is the impact on the kids? What's going to be the impact on those kids from living through 2020 or taking another year off? Well, how are the kids that just graduated that didn't have their graduation party and grad night and they didn't get to go through that? They actually didn't even take finals. You know, we shut them down in March and they probably had final exams and people that were that were hoping to turn a B into an A or turning a C into a B or a D into a C or F into a D. They lost that opportunity. And maybe we let some people pass that shouldn't have. And maybe we maybe we stole the stole the opportunities from some kids that were trying to get into college. And of course, don't get me started on college because I think college is a scam too. But the multifaceted layers of things that are happening, people high up are watching this and they're playing us. And I don't want to get into being an Alex Jones or being a you know a conspiracy theorist, but you have to watch everything. You have to watch everything and you got to listen to everything and Keep your eyes open and your mind open. Your mind is like a parachute. If it's, not, if it's not open, it doesn't work. And I'm running into people all the time. I was talking to one of my neighbors this week who said, who's talking about how, oh, we jumped the gun by reopening, reopening uh, businesses and church and all that stuff. And I said, and I said, you know, you take a stand on, on some things, whereas, whereas you're convinced that this COVID thing is, is real. But you're out there killing your weeds with a backpack full of, with a, a backpack Hudson sprayer full of Roundup. I don't think anybody's arguing that that Roundup is is dangerous to people and it's dangerous to animals. And he's got a little dog in his backyard. I don't think anybody argues that with that. But people have have their their convenience of of commitment. People that are Christians on Sunday mornings that don't think anybody's watching when they when they do stuff that isn't right during the week. So anyway, I'm going to I'm going to harp on as usual. I'm going to harp on what I see happening and what I think is right and what I don't think is not right. And I don't tell you that you have to believe it because I said it. Just consider the possibilities that maybe my perspective is 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 real. Just like you listen to CNN and and PMS, NBC and the internet and every other dumb thing that comes on social media and you say, "Hey, look, this is the truth." How do you know? How do you know some guy, some guy that has a dog for his face that you've never met, that you don't even know if he really exists, is posting things on on the internet as fact, and you guys are buying it. And if and I'm assuming that most of the people listening to my show aren't buying it because you're con, you're considering what I'm saying, but your kids are buying it, your coworkers are buying it, your neighbors are are buying it, your relatives, and if you don't say something, they're going to keep buying it. But anyway. That's my opening rant. Um, so before I go into the, the details of what's going on this week and my vision of it, let me introduce myself for those of you who don't know me. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. 
if you're interested in getting any, involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and there's awesome opportunities in real estate uh, because of the, the low, low interest rates, which give you more purchasing power if you're thinking about uh, owning a property you don't own now or if you're thinking about refinancing, uh, refinancing a property that you already own, rates are great. So you may have opportunity to to lower your payment significantly um, or, or, um, or keep your payment the same and pay it off much faster. There's a, there's a, there's a myriad of, of opportunities when the interest rates go this low and I don't know how long they're going to last. Let me uh, point out one other thing. I was talking to a friend who, uh, who inherited a, a uh, portfolio from, uh, from her, his, his mother-in-law. Well, they inherited well, along with their siblings. And I said, uh, and I said, Hey, just keep in mind, the stock market's going to do something dramatic November 4th. And if the possibility that, that actually Biden gets reelected, if that happens, uh, all your gains in stocks are going to, are going to go away. So remember, remember a, a famous, famous line that one of my friends told me, you never, you never lose money taking a profit. Get it now. If you're, if you're at that retirement age, get it out, get it out of the stocks now. Or certainly plan on it before November first. Um, if you want, if you want to get some information on refinancing or purchasing or reverse mortgages, um, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. One last time, dear night toll free area code eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. We got a message from one of you that called that didn't like because you got because you got our voicemail and you said, "What? Well, I don't want to talk to a machine. Are you guys too busy to answer the phone right now?" I'd have to say yes. But we're not too busy to call you back, so leave a message. Be patient. It's 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 pandemonium in the mortgage business, so be patient with us. We will take good care of you. Um, if you want to connect but you don't want to connect on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo, and that goes to my lending page. You can fill in all the details of, uh, of what you want me to know. Tell me how much information you want back, and either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman, will will uh, will get back to you, and we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If you hear something on the show you want repeated, also on edhoffman.net, go to the podcast page. Here, this show as well, as well as several past shows, and you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can subscribe for free. Have it uh, automatically every week. We upload it every week, then shortly thereafter, it'll download to your to your uh, phone or your watch or your iPhone or your iWatch or your iPad or your iPod or your mini pad or your maxi pad or your computer or whatever else you can listen to podcasts on. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman where I tweet about current events all week long and the Facebook page is facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. Got comments on the show? Send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. Okay, so let's, let's talk about. So July continues to be, the, be a deadly month in New York City. With a relentless surge in shooting. See, I know you were all you were all thinking, oh, how many people died of COVID? I'm not talking about COVID. We're talking about shootings. 20 of them so far. The youngest casualty yet died the Sunday night. One-year-old Dave Devel Gardner Jr. He was killed at a park in Brooklyn where two gunmen dressed in black approached, fired a number of shots at a family gathering, and fled, according to police. What the hell is that about? You go into a park and just shoot a bunch of people. And you leave. Something's wrong here, folks. Something is wrong. The baby was, was the only victim who died after being hit in the stomach with a bullet. Uh, here are his dad and his grandmother who have some choice words for Black Lives Matter. I gotta put my son in the ground now. 
and he's only one. His birthday two months, in two months, he didn't live to see two, like, he didn't live life. Everybody talk about black lives matter. What about baby lives? What about teenager lives? Go to hell. You can go to hell. Yeah, I understand she wasn't talking to Donald Trump. She's talking to Black Lives Matter, which I know is all taboo because you're a racist if you say anything to Black Lives Matter, which is really the the uh, the Democrat Party. It's really not, has nothing to do with Black Lives Mattering. It has to do with Democrat Party and chaos and anarchy. But that's what the that's what the people that are involved at the front lines are are saying. This violence continues around the country. All these incidents happened this week. Chicago, 14 people were shot on Tuesday alone. Many of them teenagers, three died. In Seattle, a police officer, and notice these are all Democrat cities, um, except for this one in Texas. In Seattle, a police officer was killed when a traffic stop turned into a car chase and a shootout. Uh, He'd only been on the force one year. Uh, In Texas, two officers were shot and killed while responding to a domestic violence call. One of the officers had a teenage daughter who was bullied into taking down a hashtag Blue Lives Matter tweet she posted in honor of her dad. That's sick. You can't you can't you can't put a tribute to your to your dad and put hashtag Blue Lives Matter because they do because their lives all lives matter. Of course, they could have said, hey, Blue Lives Matter. That's Democrat lives. Eh, we don't want that up there either. So on the Brooklyn Bridge, seven officers were literally beaten with canes and bats by Black Lives Matter protesters. Apparently, they found a someone in a van passing out bats and, and pipes and stuff. 36 were arrested, but one remains at large. As, uh, as you may have seen on TV, the assault left most of the officers with their faces covered in blood, including NYPD Chief Terry Monahan. One officer, has, one not, one officer now has a fractured eye socket. Those, uh, those of us with common sense already know why this is happening. Criminals are being catered to by Democrat mayors, spineless cowards amid the, amid the, uh, let me do that again. Criminals are being catered to by Democrat mayors, spineless coward Democrat mayors amid the defund the police movement. Here's Steve, here's Steve Cardian, a consultant who's worked with law enforcement for 40 years and now sits on the president's 2020 advisory council. We have things in common that all these cities are sharing. They're devoid of common sense. They are restricting the police officers to a point of complete ineffectiveness. And uh, we look at New York, we see they've taken away the stop and frisk. We see that they've dismantled the street crime unit, 600 people, officers that have taken guns off the street for as long as I can remember. Uh, Bail reform by the governor. Uh, uh, you know, the, the light touch, hands-off approach. They've taken their defensive tactics program and eliminated, so police don't want to do anything because they'll be arrested. The police are, are backing down because they're going to be arrested, and the criminals, the people out there that see, it, that see what's happening, they don't have any fear of getting arrested. Steve Cardian also had insight about the way things have changed from the criminal's perspective. What they are doing is they're allowing guns on the street where in years past, they would have like a gangbanger. They would have guns in a bag. They would keep it in a specific location where members would have it uh, accessible. They've got them in their drawers, in their cars. Now they're carrying them without fear of arrest on their person. And it's the opportunity that they're allowed to shoot and kill as children as young as one years old. This is totally out of control on the Democratic cities. Exactly. And but that's not that's not what's happening at all 
says Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who, by the way, is responsible for at least some of this violence since deadly shootings are also happening in her district of the Bronx. AOC says this is just about good people going hungry and stealing bread like some kind of medieval fairy tale. Do we think this has to do with the fact that there's record unemployment in the United States right now? Maybe this has to do with the fact that people aren't paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money. So you maybe have to, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. That is such a crock of crap. Aren't these uh, the, the, this is the results of unemployment because, uh, uh, because of COVID. Um, did did is is this why is this why people are unemployed? Yes, aren't they getting regular unemployment plus six hundred dollars a week? Which for people that shoplift, that's that's an extra. That's probably double what they what they take home at work. That's also the reason that when they get called back to work, they I'm not I'm not comfortable coming back to work yet. Um, Greg Gutfeld on, uh, had a, had a rant on uh, Wednesday in, uh, in response to Juan Williams uh, spouting off a bunch of, oh, similar stuff to what AOC said, you know, we're just ignoring the cause of this. These are people feeling, feeling scared because of this and because of that. And they're not, they're not looking at the root problem. Here's how Greg Gutfeld responded. We're in a hopeless position here. I've never felt this bad for a city. And, and we keep using the word anarchy. It, it's not anarchy at all. It's systemic crime born from systemic disrespect for the police, systemic disinformation by the media, media and systemic leftism that runs these cities. We kept hearing week after week about systemic racism. Well, who the hell is in charge of these cities? Leftists. And where are these geniuses now? What do they have to, to replace our law and order system? Like, what is tomorrow supposed to look like? Is it supposed to look like this? Because they've offered us no, no alternatives. And it seems it's gotta be weird to be in a group that dismisses all violence as rare and an anomaly, even though it increases. Burning buildings, oh, that happens once in a decade. Looting, oh, that's just, they're trying to seize some economic justice. And then black on black crime, oh, just in poor neighborhoods, you guys. It's been around and it's also got these systemic problems, but that's not really the issue. The issue here is, boy, Republicans and conservatives and people who live in New York who are scared, crapless, are gonna pounce on this issue. They're gonna turn it into a racial issue. They're gonna use it to go after Black Lives Matters. No, we're not using it to go after anybody. We are scared as, of, uh, we are scared to death for what's happening to our neighborhoods. I've got people on my staff that can't walk to work anymore because their problem, they're women. They can't walk six freaking blocks from their apartment to Fox because they're scared and they are rightfully scared. If you see the streets in New York, man, it'll blow your mind. You think it would go back to the 1970s and that would be bad? Dude, this is 70 AD. The savagery is unbelievable. I, you know, here's the thing. The problem with 
violence and trashing a city and ruining a country, it's incredibly persuasive visual evidence. I will never forget June 2020, and neither should Trump. So this has to be really, really practical. A friend of mine once said to me, he said, you can tell when something is meaningful when it causes you to act. And I don't mean going on TV with a monologue. I mean doing something to protect my family. For the first time in my life, I acted and I went and I bought a firearm, like millions of other Americans, because we saw visual evidence that we weren't going to be protected anymore, that the cavalry wasn't going to come, that when we were going to call 911, the car wasn't going to make it. So now it's up to us as American citizens to practice our right of the Second Amendment. And I'm sorry if that looks like you're pouncing on social justice warriors. No, it's to protect our family. And it's offensive. It's offensive to marginalize people's concern over violence. Makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, me too. You know, when, uh, when, uh, when something's really meaningful, when it, makes you, when it makes you act, I had never had any interest in owning a gun ever in my life. After Obama had been in office for a, a few years, Maybe after his first term, I bought my, I went and got my first gun and I think I got a shotgun and a 45 and a, and a nine millimeter. And I went out and learned how to use them. Uh, the day after the San Bernardino, uh, massacre over there in, uh, San Bernardino with the, uh, the, all the employees, the, the city employees or the County employees and, and, uh, Saeed Farouk and his wife, uh, shot up the place and killed all those people. I applied for my, my uh, concealed weapon uh, permit the next day. You know why? Because it makes me scared that someone could walk into my building and do that. It makes me scared that someone could come to my front door and do that. And even though I don't need it in my building, I walk out of my building too. I walk out of my house and my, and my, my, wife, goes to, my wife goes to the store and, and this stuff has to stop. And I have people that tell me, Ed, you should you should not get so tied up in it. You can't there's you can't make a difference by complaining about it all the time. Well, maybe I can. Maybe I can be the voice that spurs another voice that one voice spurs somebody else and somebody somewhere gets the message. I just can't sit sit still and 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 see this stuff and say nothing. Because this is not the America I grew up in. This is not the then and it's it was a few months ago. But people are just blind to it. And, you know, hey, I'm set. I don't, you know, if, if, I can't, if I can't work, I've got enough money. I'm not worried about that. I am not worried about seizing the opportunities that are going to happen if Biden gets elected. But I'm going to. I'm going to seize those opportunities. And while you, while you Democrats are losing your houses because you voted the wrong guy in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the profit on that stuff. And a whole bunch of other smart people are going to do the same. What I'm more concerned about is what kind of world do my kids have to have to live in for the rest of their lives? And how about my two grandkids? What kind of what kind of world do they have to live in? And I don't know that I'll ever see my any great grandkids while I'm still alive. But you know what? I have two little grandkids that I love and I'm concerned about what kind of world is going to be left. And all we got to do is good people to say nothing. And this stuff will continue and it'll just get bigger and hairier and worse. So all you guys that say, hey, you know what, uh, let's just stay in our houses. Let's not consider the fact that maybe COVID is a, is a, is a problem. Let's be respectful of, of the black people, Black Lives Matter, their message. And let's be respectful of all these peaceful protests that include bricks and bats and pipes and guns. Let's, let's, let's just, we have to understand their feelings. Hey, you know what? 
I don't believe this country's a racist nation. I don't believe any of that stuff. And I don't believe COVID is, is as bad as they say it is. And I'm, and after the break, I'm going to get into that, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you that you guys need to open your eyes, open your eyes and you, and you need to be adding to my voice and saying it. Cause a lot of times I say, Hey, this is what I think about COVID and people, oh yeah, we feel exactly the same. And they share things, they share things with me. Yesterday, I heard about somebody who went in to take a coronavirus uh, test and they got tired of waiting and they left. Two weeks later, they got a, a letter in the mail from the hospital saying they're, they were positive. They never took the test. They filled out all the papers and they waited. And an hour later, they said, I, I can't spend my whole day doing this. And they left. But somehow they got a positive a positive test. Can you smell it? If it if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it smells like duck crap, probably was a duck. Anyway, I'm all out of time for uh, this half the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, and commercials, and I'll be back with more of the coronavirus stuff and everything else that's going on. Don't go away. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Walk away and know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance, but probably in this in this era, in this uh, in this moment, I probably should. But I'm not going to today. But I will tell you. Uh, interest rates are low. It's a great opportunity for you, for you guys. If you're, uh, if you own some property that you want to refinance, or if you want to own some property that you don't already own, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Toll free, day or night, area code 855-640-2020. If you don't, if you don't get a live body that answers the phone, leave a message. We will call you back. It is a super giant, it's enormously busy right now. I could, I was just saying uh, before we started recording, I could work 12 hours a day, 16 hours a day, seven days a week for the next three years and probably, ne- and probably never get to everybody. So, uh, but I got a whole team and we're adding another member uh, on Monday and uh, we will, uh, we will get to your, and, and meanwhile, if you're looking at refinancing rates are, are drifting better. So delays are in your favor. Uh, 855-640-2020. Also, uh, reverse mortgages. If you were thinking about reverse mortgages, the lower the interest rates go, the more money you get. If you've looked into it and you, and you were short, you'd have to come in with money. Look again, 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo and do the cyber thing. So uh, this week in coronavirus, there are about 4,000 new cases reported in LA County, which are cases. That doesn't mean people are dying. That just means people got reported positive. And most of them are finding out they were positive two weeks after they felt, felt better. More locally, Riverside County is being is reporting 733 new cases and three new deaths, bringing the countywide total to 553. So why do we want to let kids back go back to school? Well, because out of the 553 deaths, none of them were kids, not one of them. When you look at the, look at the stats, uh, zero to 17 years old, uh, 0.000% no deaths. When you look at uh, 18 to 24, 0.64% deaths. When you look at 25 to 44, 
45 to 64 years old, 21.5%. Probably if they if they made that 45 to to uh 55 to 54, um, that'd be a very small percentage. And then 55 to 64 would be most of that 21.5%. 65 to 84 years old, 49.36%. These are people who they're reporting, reporting COVID deaths. And remember. Medicare is the one who's paying extra if they report them if they report them uh, uh, as COVIDs instead of instead of others. So, hmm, why is it the people over sixty two when you can first get Medicare? Isn't it sixty two or sixty five? I think it's sixty five. You have to get Medicare anyway. So it's the people in their sixties that are getting Medicare, and that's where the government is paying the hospitals to say it's COVID. Eighty five, eighty five years and older, twenty three point seven one seven. So if you take everybody from uh, zero to 64 years, it doesn't match the people over 85 years. So uh, why should we send back to schools? Why should we send the kids back to schools? Let's ask ourselves a few questions. If Southern California is one of the country's biggest hotspots and we don't have any kids dying from this, then isn't that logical that numbers would be similar around the country? Shouldn't local districts be able to reopen if they have low numbers of childhood infections? And more importantly, if their numbers of childhood deaths is zero or close to it, guess who's saying that this week? None other than the Lord God of coronavirus, Tony Fauci. We should try as the default to get the kids to stay in school. If you're in the part of a country where the dynamics of the outbreak are really minimal, if at all, then there's no problem at all in getting back. If you're in a situation where you're in outbreak mode, then you leave it up to the local individuals. Remember Tony Fauci, who's been the definitive, the definitive, definitive authority on coronavirus because that makes him some money. Um, he's de- he's de- he's definite on this is what's happening, and then a week later he's definite on something else that wasn't quite definitive, and then. Uh, another three weeks later, he's de- definite on something else. And now you hear him say, well, it's kind of this and kind of that. He's the, he's the foremost authority of nothing. Watch the movie Dallas Buyers Club. Watch, watch what the uh, FDA did to people with AIDS, whether it was for whatever reason they had AIDS, and they're trying to get treatment. And remember that drug that they're talking about, that they were holding back AZT, the the patent on that was Tony Fauci's and the other stuff that was uh, being held back. I forget the name of the, of the drug. Uh, he didn't have the patent on it. So he was uh, controlling that stuff. He was making sure this didn't come in and, and potentially save lives. And at the end of the end of the movie, when Matthew McConaughey's is trying to fight the courts so he could take this drug and bring it in from Mexico, he said, Hey, you know what, in my opinion, in the court's opinion, when you have a, a, uh, Terminal disease, you should be able to take anything that could possibly help. But that's not how the law, that's not how the law is. So, you know, watch this stuff, watch this stuff, pay attention, and, and think about it in your mind. Why are we listening to this guy? You know, 30 kids have died from COVID nationwide. That's tragic. Compare that to 160 kids dying. 100, wait, 30 kids have died from COVID, but 166 kids have died from the flu in 2019. And school didn't shut down anywhere. Nor did we shut down for SARS 
uh, which was 2003. Nor did we shut down for swine flu, which was 2009. And to date, there's no vaccine for any of them. One of my arguments with my neighbor was, we're not going to get back to back to normal. Till it's not going to be safe until we have a vaccine. We don't have a vaccine for SARS. We don't have a vaccine for H1N1, which is swine flu. We still don't have it. We didn't shut down. And guess what? It went away. Think about that. Use your logically thinking brain and don't argue with me because this is the facts. Guess who else says they would send their own kids to school in the fall no matter what? A whole bunch of doctors who were asked by, uh, by Craig Melvin on NBC News. Would you let your kids go back to school? I will. My kids are looking forward to it. Yes. Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. As much as I can. <laughs> Without a hesitation. Without a hesitation, yes. I have no concerns about sending my child to school in the fall. I would let my kids go back to school. Dr. John Torres, NBC News. They all said yes. And if you saw Craig Melvin in that, he looked like, uh, this must have been live because uh, they all said yes. Oops. So that that goes against our, our theory that we should keep shut down. Shut down our lives. That's not just keeping the kids from school. They're closing our lives. And at some point, you guys are gonna you guys are gonna get some backbone and some spine and say enough, enough of Gavin Newsom turning off our state, enough of these boneheads in Seattle and Oregon and and Chicago and all these places that are that are running scared from it, running scared from it. At some point, we have to build up an immunity, and that happens when when a certain amount of us go through it. And everybody I know that's had it was through it in three days. So let's go on to uh, let's go on to uh, Joe Biden. Uh, he gave a speech in Wilmington, Delaware, this week to attack President Trump, talk uh, talk tough on China, and pitch his new energy plan. That never gets too far away from his from his basement, but he's talking in Delaware anyway. So let's start with uh, more attacks on President's handling of COVID. It's gotten bad enough that even Donald Trump finally decided to wear a mask in public. I'm glad he made the shift, but Mr. President, it's not enough. We won't be able to turn the corner and get American people back to work safely without presidential leadership. Mr. President, open everything now isn't a strategy for success. It's barely a slogan. Quit pushing the false choice between protecting our health and protecting our economy. All it does is endanger our recovery on both fronts. Quit pushing the false choice between protecting our health and protecting our economy. All it does is endanger our recovery on both fronts. Yeah, it does. It sure does. So does, uh, but you know, in the process, in the process of not seeing clearly, we're destroying. There's not going to be a comeback for many small businesses and many people aren't going to have any jobs to go back to. And then they're going to say, look at what Trump did. Remember the unity task force that Biden put together last week, the one that made up of Bernie Sanders, John Kerry and AOC. Well, their actual authors, they were the actual authors of the energy plan that Biden unveiled because Biden can't really write a whole sentence, much less talk it. Here's the brilliant beginning of his climate announcement. When Donald Trump thinks about climate change, the only word he can muster is hoax. When I think about climate change, the word I think of is jobs. 
Yeah, me too. Climate change and jobs. So where are all these fabulous jobs going to come from? From the $2 trillion Biden wants to spend on clean energy projects, see if this sounds familiar. Science tells us we have nine years before the damage is irreversible. We're going to make historic investments that will seize the opportunity and meet this moment in history. We're going to get to work delivering results right away on day one. That that sound familiar? Remember Solyndra? Remember, uh, remember yeah, hey, we're going to throw $2 trillion at it. We're going to seize the opportunity because when we've got $2 trillion to allocate, we're going to allocate it to, to our friends and we're going to allocate it to, to ourselves and we're going to steal it from the American taxpayer. So here's what happened back in 2009 when Obama said the same thing. Obama administration gave Solyndra, a California-based solar manufacturer, $527 million in loan guarantees. Then the company went bankrupt. When asked, when asked by the New York Times if the plan, uh, if this plan is at risk of repeating that history, Biden's advisors placed the blame on China for the cylinder disaster. China flooded the market with cheap panels. But the nonpartisan government accountability office described the Obama administration's review of the process of Solyndra as alarming, saying the Energy Department approved all these loans without completing any detailed assessment of the company's projects. Kind of what we did with the relief efforts all the all the money for COVID. Companies that had no financial hardship getting paycheck protection programs. And as long as they kept their people uh, employed, they got to keep the money. They didn't get to, they didn't get to uh, they didn't have to pay it back. And people getting relief checks that had no financial hardship. And I don't know how many people did what I did, but I took my my uh, my uh, my relief check that I don't know for what reason they sent me one and I signed it over to the church. I said, Hey, I send it back to the, to the government and they're just going to give it to somebody else. Who's going to steal it from the government. I'm going to give it to someone I know is going to do something good with it and help some people. Um, but what happened with all these, all these green shovel ready jobs eight years ago or 2009 when Obama promised all these shovel ready jobs. Shovel ready was not as uh, <laughs> shovel ready as we expected. So that was his comment in 2012 after being in, in, the, in office at, for three years. Then in 2016, as his term was about to end and we were about to, to uh, elect uh, President Trump, he said this. For those folks who've lost their job right now because a plant went down to Mexico, you know, that isn't gonna make you feel better. And so what we have to do is to make sure that folks are trained for the jobs that are coming in now because some of those jobs of the past are just not going to come back. And when somebody says, like the person you just mentioned, who I'm not going to advertise for, that he's going to bring all these jobs back. Well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? There's, the, there's no answer to it. He just says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is he doesn't have an answer. Yeah, well, I hope he said his prayer. Lords, make my, make my words tender for someday I will have to eat them. And he has had to eat those because Trump did exactly the opposite of what Mr. Smooth and Mr. Smart and Mr. Everybody Loves Him, Obama did. He reduced taxes and he got rid of regulations that Obama put on. And we got energy independent less than four years. 
and we brought back jobs and we had historic unemployment because Trump understands the economy. Trump understands there's more to there's more to what happens in in an action besides just your action. There's reactions and there's and there's unintended consequences and there's intended consequences. And you need someone who understands that to run this country. The government is not in charge of, of giving us a nice life. They're not in charge of, ma- of making you successful. All the government is designed to do is protect us from our foreign enemies and enforce the laws to protect the citizens from bad guys, which, they're, which Black Lives Matter and the Democrats are trying to, to keep us from. But Trump has, has changed, the, changed the attitude of our enemies to where they, where they fear us a little bit and they respect us a lot. And he's trying to enforce the laws, but he can't do it in Democrat states because we're sovereign states. So unless the Democrat leadership in some states asks for it, he can't go in and do that. I hope he finds a loophole to fix that because it's sad what we're seeing in this country. The other thing, the other thing that the government does, that they're not tasked with making us successful, they create an environment where we can make our own lives successful. We're, we're, uh, we're offered... The, we have the right to the pursuit of happiness. You don't have the right to happiness. You have the right to pursuit of happiness. The government just has to get out of the way. Create an environment where opportunities happen. Create an environment where companies will take their profits and create new jobs, which are opportunities for people with no jobs to work or people with low-paying jobs to get promotions for the economy to do its, do its job for the free market to work. That's why this country has been the greatest greatest country in the history of the world. And we can't legislate success for its individual citizens. We just have to let the government get the hell out of the way and let us do what American ingenuity and tenacity does and work and go after it, come up with ideas and pursue those ideas. I know a lot of you, a lot of you probably are, are my age, my age or older, and I'm about to turn 59 in a couple of, couple of months. And you say, yep, that's right. That's how it's been in, in my world. You need to spread that with your kids and your grandkids and your neighbors and your coworkers and your people that come over for Thanksgiving. You need to not sit silent. Silence will destroy this, destroy this world. No, I went and saw Ben Carson speak, uh, but while he was running for president uh, in 2016. And the first sentence he said when I saw him speak was, Political correctness will be the end, will destroy the United States of America. And we're watching it happen right now. I don't like Trump because he says what's on his mind and he's so blunt and he offends me. Too bad. I love America and that's what uh, Trump is trying to do. So let's, let's get on. Uh, on Wednesday, President uh, held a news conference in the White House, Rose Garden, to announce new sanctions on China and end Hong Kong's special status with the United States. Um, it's complicated, but the bottom line is that the new law called Hong Kong Autonomy Act of 2020 is meant to punish China for punishing Hong Kong. And it doesn't hurt that we're punishing China after unleashing a pandemic on the world. Uh, President Trump also used the event to remind Americans about Joe Biden's long history of bowing to the Chinese government. And make no mistake, we hold China fully responsible for concealing the virus and unleashing it upon the world. In contrast, Joe Biden's entire career has been a gift to the Chinese Communist Party and to the calamity of of errors that they've made. And it's been devastating for the American worker. China has taken out 
hundreds of billions of dollars a year from our country, and we rebuilt China. I give them all the credit in the world. I don't give the credit for the people that used to stand here because they allowed this to happen where hundreds of billions of dollars were taken out of the United States Treasury in order to rebuild China. Joe Biden supported China's entry into the World Trade Organization. If you look at China and you look at the moment they joined the World Trade, they were flatlining for years and years and years and decades. And then all of a sudden they joined the World Trade Organization and they went like a rocket ship. Yeah, I wonder, wonder how, uh, how people get rich in years and years and years of public service. I think this might be a little clue to it. Here's more on Biden's history of catering to China and what the consequences of that look like. For example, what would have happened if Trump hadn't pulled us out of the Paris Climate Accord? As Vice President Biden was a leading advocate of the Paris Climate Accord, which was unbelievably expensive to our country, would have crushed American manufacturers while allowing China to pollute pollute the atmosphere with impunity. Yet one more gift from Biden to the Chinese Communist Party. They don't have oil. We would have had to close up uh, tremendous amounts of our energy to qualify eventually, not too far into the future. We would have had to do, do things that would have been unbelievably destructive to our country, including the possible closing of 25% of our businesses. Think of that. And it was going to cost us hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And remember these comments from Joe Biden just last year. China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. I, you know, they're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, they're competition for us. Yeah, no threat at all. No threat at all. Let's hear one more from uh, where the president reminds us of how Joe Biden brought his son into this cozy relationship with China. He said that the idea that China is our competition is really bizarre. He's really bizarre. He said China is not a problem. No, nobody's ripped us off more than China over the last 25, 30 years. Nobody close. And he says China's not a problem. Now he takes it all back now. Now he wants to be Mr. Tough Guy. But for years, 47 years, he never came out against China, never said anything bad, just the opposite. His son walked out with $1.5 billion of money to invest where he'll make hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars a year. But Hunter, where's Hunter? Where is Hunter, by the way? And where is Hunter? I mean, think about this. Is this the kind of guy that he's describing Biden? Is this the kind of guy you want to turn over the controls of this country to? Come on, man. But where is his son, Hunter? He's living his best life in Los Angeles, raising a baby with his current wife while paying child support to the stripper he fathered a baby with in Arkansas after denying it, making her making her sue him in court to take responsibility for uh, his actions. His three oldest children live with their mother, Hunter's ex-wife, in Washington, D.C. Despite Joe Biden's promise that no one in his family will have foreign business entanglements if he's elected president, Hunter Biden still owns 10% stake in the Shanghai Equity Company. It's not actually called Shanghai Equity, an investment company uh, that is one of the many conflicts of interest. This is according to Chinese records obtained by the Daily Caller. Um, 
he had promised to leave the board by October of last year, which he did, but that did nothing to affect his status as a shareholder. So, or his income from the business, but wait, but wait, Trump's kid, Trump and Trump's kids are, are earning money off their business dealings from other co- countries. Yeah. But those business ventures were started by Trump and his family while they were business people doing legitimate legal business. Biden's never done any legal legitimate business. He's only been in Congress for about 40 some years. And his and his son admitted he probably wouldn't have almost any of the stuff that he has in his life if his last if his last name hadn't if his last name hadn't been Biden. So while Joe Biden went over to uh Ukraine to make sure that the uh the the prosecutor who was investigating Burisma, the company that his son sat on the board of, uh, to make sure that his million dollars a year paycheck didn't stop. While he was doing that and, and funneling money through the American taxpayer to Ukraine through Burisma back to his son, and I'm sure his son uh, shared it with him, when he took Hunter Biden to a trip to China uh, that that uh, Biden went on and Biden left with a billion and a half dollar investment into his investment company. This stuff isn't legitimate business. This is, Hey, I'm the vice president of the United States. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you favors and access, but you gotta, you gotta make some investments in my family's dealings so that I can get a piece of it. That has a whole bunch different to do than what Trump did building uh, resorts and hotels in other countries now. So, but you know, that's going to be the argument of the Democrats because whenever they're pushed into a corner, yeah, but look at what Trump did. Look at what Trump did. He accomplished a lot. He helped a lot of people. He employs a lot of people and he's, and he's made a life. And now he's doing the same thing for our country for no paycheck. Think about that folks. And don't keep it to yourself. Share that. We've got a little over three months little over three months till our election. Make sure that I'm not the lone voice out there. Share this stuff with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, everybody you come in contact with. Make sure the idiocy is made clear so we don't have a we don't have the end of the United States on November 3rd. Anyway, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I will be back again with you next week. Opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1016588, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.